Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated, and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as, you can't roll a skate in a buffalo herd. <laughs> Humans of Twitter is their stories, in their words, in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list, Michael McConnell. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here in the podcasting arena. I know, we're arening and podcasting and... And relaxing and reclining. Beautiful spring day. It's so comfortable. Michael, in social settings, how do you introduce yourself? What's what social settings? What are they like? I've got, <laughs> I've got, I've got two young kids. I've got Mr. Five and Miss Three. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard to remember what a social setting's like. I think um, most of the social outings I go to are kids' birthdays now. So I'm normally introduced as dad, and yes. then I have to go immediately because one of my kids is starting to break something. Yeah. So, so I don't really get that adult conversation nowadays. Um, but I think, yeah, normally I'd say, hi, I'm Mick. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to, yeah, coming from the country, you're always Mick. So mm-hmm. the only person that ever called me Michael was my mum or maybe some teachers. So. Michael is the name when you're in trouble. I think. Yes. <laughs> so, um, but when I, 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 I moved up to Toowoomba in about mid-20s to follow a girlfriend up there. Mm. Uh, went for a job interview with a company up there. And it, it was an IT firm, but it was actually owned by a, 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 a former solicitor. Okay. So it was quite conservative. And they said, well, congratulations, Mick. You can have the job. But uh, Mick actually doesn't sound uh, very formal and... Some of our clients just might not understand you. So, w- would you be okay if we called you Michael? And uh, wow. ever since then, it sort of shifted in. I've got two divergent personalities. Michael is work mm. work guy, and Mick is social guy. I guess. Do you um, do you find it hard to balance between those, or no? Yeah, they've sort of got split personalities now. Yeah, Michael's quite uptight and you know stressed. He's in work mode, very efficient. <laughs> whereas Mick just doesn't give a shit very little. Back. <laughs> Um, so I think I think I'd like to ref- I think I'd like to divert back to Mick now, mm. Re- revert back. Yeah. How how would your workmates now yep. uh, handle you becoming Mick as opposed to Michael? I, I think every now and then Mick just bubbles up to the surface, <laughs> a bit like um, me, myself, and Irene. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they're used to me. I Josh. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Do you find that? That first move, that decision, I'm going to chase a girl and I'm moving from the country yeah, to Toowoomba. That worked out all right. It was worth um, being rebranded as Michael. Mm. Um, so we, I, we ended up getting married a bit over a year later, I think, and we've been married nine years now. So, yeah, it was worth it, was worth it. it paid off. Well, it definitely move. paid off then. Yeah. It could have gotten very ugly, couldn't it? That's right. <laughs> Here you are in Toowoomba all by yourself. That's it. Um, yeah. Don't even have my own name anymore. <laughs> I don't know who I am. How ridiculous. Would you have moved, if not for this relationship, would you have left? Yeah, I think, um, so I, I grew up in a little town in northern New South Wales, and yes. my wife's from there as well. Um, but uh, I actually, when I was 16, I got shipped off to boarding school in Sydney. Um, wow. So that, that was a taste of the outside world. And when, and when, you first, when you're from a tiny little town, when you first see tall buildings, it's a like you, you sort of stare at them like some sort of weirdo. <laughs> like I remember going on a, like when I was quite young, going on a school trip to, I think with a school band in year seven, we went for a trip up to Cool and Gatter. Yes. And uh, 
for some reason decided that people in the Gold Coast shopping malls needed to be entertained by our school band and me on the xylophone <laughs> <laughs> or whatever the triangle, whatever instrument they make you play when you're in year seven. Um, and actually going up to, to do the surfers trip and mm. see Movie World and just seeing the buildings in Coolangatta, which are probably only like five stories, but I remember just sort of staring up at them and going, wow. It's like TV. It's like Paradise Beach. <laughs> um, so I think it's good. Yeah, it's good to, to get out and leave a small town and see a city, see somewhere real. What What um, was it like as a 15, 16-year-old leaving home and moving to the city? It sucked. I had um, I had to cut my hair. So it was sort of like <laughs> the movies where you sent off to military school. <laughs> so it was, it was a Morris Brothers school, so they're fairly... Um, it, it wasn't a bad spot, but I just, you know probably didn't really want to be there I was mm. there against my will um, and probably a bit of a, a definitely misfit it was a real rugby school mm. um, and my the extent of my you're more of a prowess. polo kid well <laughs> not even <laughs> I, I played I played lawn bowls <laughs> we used to go to Gladesville Bowls Club mm. and um, and bowl with a there's a you know, few people like me with similar level of laziness that <laughs> went along to bowl and at the end of the term, the, the you know seventy year olds that were teaching us took us out for Chinese at the bowls club restaurant and gave us a bowls club pin. So nice. quite an honour. Yeah. So there you go. So I think I'm an honorary member of Gladesville Bowls Club. <laughs> Do you know or are you aware of the decision that your parents made to, to send you to boarding school, why that happened? Yeah, I think um my dad died when I was about thirteen, so mum mm-hmm. was on her own trying to raise um, you know, a teenager i don't think i was a bad kid or anything but just typical teen Long stuff and i think wasn't really interested in school and it was probably a good opportunity to try and get me to engage which i didn't but anyway it was good fun <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i think that was yeah that was the motivator just to try and see you know get him out of this little town and see what else he can see i guess what was it like coming back at the end of year 12 after you've completed your senior schooling to hometown um, I think I just slotted right back in, actually. I, I didn't stay in town. I moved sort of nearby and mm. did IT at TAFE. And, um, but I'd always come home for holidays and I've sort of still kept that yep. sort of core group of mates where you know, once a year or every couple of years we'll go on a big road trip to Cape York. Or, Excellent. Um, last year we went to Birdsville Races and saw Burke and Wills country for any Dolp fans. Mm. We, we camped where Burke died and <laughs> we survived. <laughs> we thrived, I think, for, uh, for about a week. We had maybe a few more, a few more beers. And, <laughs> and cars. And, and th- there is a roadhouse <laughs> and cars. So, but no, no oak dining table that Burke took along with him and we didn't, we didn't drag a bathtub with us or anything like that. We travelled a bit lighter, I think, even though we had the car. Um, but yeah, definitely got that core group of mates that... Um, very lucky to have and and now the broader group of wives and girlfriends mm. and kids and we often travel together and when we were at the Cape York we had a convoy of about 10 cars it was just great wow. fun so yeah so I think yeah it's um I still on some level I still think of my hometown as the center of my universe I think <laughs> <laughs> which other people from there just think what's wrong with you <laughs> but, but I you know, always yeah want to catch up and see what it, what everyone's up to so yeah what are you passionate about good question um star wars this year mm. i think very excited about um uh the um the force awakens i think mm. it's going to be very, very exciting 
um, and it's been interesting. It's a great thing um, with your kids being able to watch Star Wars. I think it's a real rite of passage. Yes. Uh, what age were your kids when you first watched Star Wars? I think or when they first watched Star Wars. My ten-year-old son. I think I revealed that to him. I wanted to get him into it as early as I could, and and my very intelligent wife said, well, "We need to probably be a little yeah, bit." Yeah. Um, I think he was maybe six, and I just wanted to give him all of it. Yep. But I think I started gently with just the first Star Wars film, and it was a real critical moment for me, because if he didn't like that film, this relationship was over. <laughs> yeah, have to have to put him up for adoption. Oh, yep, yep something yep. would happen. But luckily, <laughs> he, he did, and he gets it. But yeah, you know, it, it was it was a transformative moment for me in in enjoying Star Wars for the first time, and a real reassurance that that my son got it. Yeah, yep. My my son was about four, I think, and I was the opposite. I was sort of putting the you know, putting the brakes on and mm. thinking, well it might be a bit scary or something like that. But he'd come home from daycare, you know, for years wanting I want to want to see Star Wars, I want to see Star Wars and mm. I think it was probably the the Angry Birds Star Wars game that we <laughs> play on the iPod and then all of a sudden he's like, Oh dad, can we please watch the Angry Birds pe- Angry Birds Star Wars people movie? <laughs> um and he was he was fine with it. So he's about four, and um, you know we watched you know the original trilogy. I think the you know the um, the original A New Hope and yes. Empire Strikes Back, and then I think we went to Phantom Menace. Mm. Made up some sort of weird order, um, and he was all good. And I was a bit nervous about the bit where Darth Maul gets cut in half mm. and then goes tumbling down you know off the cliff or whatever it is. Mm. And uh, my son's like, oh, look, he's lost his coat. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's like half his torso tumbling down. I'm like, yes, coat. We'll go with coat. <laughs> and he was fine with it. It wasn't scary. So we watched Return of the, Return of the Jedi. Mm. And I thought, oh, no, the Rancor is going to be terrifying, this big monster mm. trying to eat Luke. And and uh, he was fine with that. I'm trying to skip ahead. And he's like, oh, no, go back, go back. And he was fine. He was fine right up until the bit where um, Luke lost his father. <laughs> so where, yeah, Darth Vader, you know, takes his helmet off and yes. turns out to be dying and then he started to cry. I'm like, oh no, we've broken him. <laughs> we've done it. It's all right, he's there's fine. dancing Ewoks soon. He's now fine with it. Oh yes, yeah, we could watch the, um, if we really wanted to scar him for life, we could watch the holiday special. <laughs> but, um, yeah, what I'm really excited about is being able to show the kids Indiana Jones. Yeah. I think that's, that's probably my favourite trilogy. Formative but, for you? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think um, probably The Last Crusade would have to be my favourite. Just that real father and son movie is fantastic. It's a very boys' own adventure brought to life, isn't it? It is, yeah. It starts off with um, River Phoenix yes. as a young Indiana Jones, as a scout. It's fantastic. Um, but I think, yeah, you have to be a bit older for that. There's people with you know their faces melting <laughs> so what do you what do you reckon for indiana jones about about 10 yeah I, I, it's going to come down to how emotionally intelligent yeah, the kid yeah. is right and that's that's a decision i think as parents we yeah. make on a lot of things sometimes really subtly and sometimes you have to ponder i think so yeah i think so the um there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of those things growing up that you know be fascinating to, to introduce them to but I know until you get to a certain age even if they're suitable or whatever you just don't have the frame of reference and mm. I was watching Back to the Future one day mm. and and my son was you know keen to sit down and watch and I was 
sitting there trying to explain it to him and you're at the age where you don't even really have a good grasp on days of the week, let alone why the 50s is different mm-hmm. to now or t- different to the 80s. <laughs> so, yes. There you go. So I'm pretty shallow. I like movies. <laughs> no, that that's totally fine. Do you want to cultivate that kind of relationship with your son, the, the one that is in between Dr. Henry Jones and Dr. Henry Jones Jr.? Uh, hopefully slightly better relationship than that. Maybe how it, how it winds up. Sure. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it's just fascinating. I, I love um, seeing what my kids are interest, interested in and what they want to intru- introduce me to. Mm. So I, I find it a little bit hard to sit through Power Rangers, but I, mm. I do my best. <laughs> Have they got you into Minecraft yet? No, uh yeah, my son's played. He's played Minecraft on the iPad. I think it was when older cousins were visiting. Yes, and they had their iPad, and he had his iPad, and they paired somehow on the network. And next minute, he's in their world. Just they, they basically ran out of the room, going complaining. He's going, he's digging up all, <laughs> smashing all our buildings, and digging holes. <laughs> and here's this maybe three or four year old at the time, just cruising around, just running amok, having a great time. Yeah, so, man, Minecraft, big business. Oh. It- and and it's interesting to hear that, you know, that concern because that, that's it, right? Young kids, kids get Minecraft. Yeah, and I don't. Same. Have you ever you ever tried to play it? Yep. I, I've played for maybe fifteen minutes trying to build and dig, and then I just got frustrated and just went around shooting all, all the people. And you can grab you can grab a bow and arrow, and yeah. yeah. What for you is a source of strength? I think my my wife is a wonderful source of strength. Mm-hmm. She's. Definitely who I go to, I think, just, you know, when I need to debrief. Yes. Um, and yeah, just incredible, just a really strong, inspirational woman, really proud of her. Mm-hmm. Um, where else? I don't know. I, I think I'm fairly self-contained. Yeah. Um, coffee. I go to, go, go to Makona at work, <laughs> the finest Makona. So that's my source of strength whenever I need to recharge. Um, started running lately. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not much of an athlete, but I find yeah, going for a run at lunchtime is a good thing. Really good thing. What What makes going for a run a good thing for you? It's just a good way. I, I find I've been like just totally unplugging. I don't take the iPhone with me. I don't take you know Run Keeper or anything or any tunes. I just mm. go for a run and just find it's just fantastic to clear my head. Um, and then, especially when you're like me, when you sit in an office all day, and yeah. you just come back ready to go. I think it just gives you that, gives you the energy to to do things and not snooze all afternoon, which is good. Yeah, so I might do more of that. I think. Mm. How do you balance your time uh, at, at home when it's there's demands for dad, there's demands for partner, and there's demands for your own personal health time yeah i think i think that's probably a big part of start like running at lunchtime mm-hmm. because that's the only time i sort of get to myself nowadays it, it, or during the week anyway sure. so kids have obviously got to come first yep. and my wife's started studying recently so just doing my best to be i'm i'm not much of a chef and i know mm. early days of early 20s living in a share house of you know, I could barely sort of organise myself and cook myself. <laughs> uh, but somehow managing to, to be productive and, and look after um, three other people is, um, yeah, it's amazing what you can achieve when you get off the couch, I guess. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I 
probably to answer that question, how do I balance my time? Not very well, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, but just try and get it all done and get to bed before midnight and then get up at five. <laughs> that's that's life at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, and try to stay off Twitter, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Do the things I'm meant to be doing. What's your favourite takeaway food choice? Oh, KFC Zinger. Yeah? Definitely. Why the yeah. KFC? I don't know. Maybe maybe in my hometown, I know KFC was the first um, mm. and only fast food <laughs> joint there for years. Things have improved. Um, I don't know, just the Zinger in particular. Um, you know, I'm going to the healthy option nowadays. I don't go to the chips. Or the Mountain Dew, but mm. I still go the, the Zinger, which is a ridiculous statement. But anyway, yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, trying to think what else is good. Um, I think sushi train's a good thing. Yes. I think that satisfies my my undiagnosed ADD, just <laughs> moving things. <laughs> Everything in its place. Yeah, that's it. I think so. Oh, no, no, not, not OCD, ADD. I'm definitely not hyperactive, but yeah, it's good, good, to, good to have things going on. So, if someone was able to provide you in your home with a train experience, oh hell yeah, where there was a zinger come past, yeah, I'd wear a train driver's hat as well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> where a, a beer could roll past, roll past periodically, that'd be fantastic. We should have got a beer out. I'm going to knock out a few walls this evening. Build <laughs> <laughs> the train track. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, you got to go a bit like scale electric or something a bit faster. Mm. Yeah, it, it's it's a cross between the film Toys and um, Home Improvement. Yeah, yeah. So you've got to have some kind of track to get from room to room, but oh, it's going to yeah. go fast. Oh, and like the Jetsons, like a conveyor belt for me. Fantastic. I'm just going to knock out all the walls and <laughs> just put in a travel ladder. You're living in a shed. Yeah, yep. A turntable, just put the whole house on a turntable. <laughs> Probably won't do any of that. What's the most dangerous thing you've ever done? I'm a play it safe sort of guy. I don't mm. think I've ever done anything dangerous. You come from the country though, Michael. I mean, this is... Oh, yeah, no, there's that. There's that. There's, you know, riding on the roof of cars and that sort of thing. Yeah, or in paddocks. So. What it was? Yes. <laughs> not, not at hundred kilometres an hour down the highway. Yeah, that's it. Um, we had a mate that had an old Corolla, like one of those, I don't know, seventies or eighties, real tiny yes. things, um, and it got defected, and he had it left at um, yeah, another mate's house that had a farm and had yes. room to keep this old car. And the, the guy who owned the farm was bored one day, got an angle grinder, cut the roof off it, and then we had a convertible. <laughs> so, and we just used to drive it around and run over trees and stuff like that and nearly send it through barbed wire fences and things like that. So um, all the, the wonderful stuff you miss out on in Brisbane. <laughs> that's it. So, yeah, that's potentially dangerous, but no. And yourself, what's the most dangerous thing you've done? I very stupidly got in a car in the backwards of China with a drunk person driving. Wow. wow. But I was well drunk at the time as well. Wow. Drunk taxi driver? Or no, drunk... no, it was the, the person, yeah. person I was at wow. a good time with. Wow. Um, and how did that work out? Surprisingly really well. I don't know whether he wasn't as drunk as I thought he was or... Like, and, and I want to preface this. It was the stupidest idea I've ever had. mm at the time, I never gave it a second thought. Foreign country too. Oh, foreign country. Yeah, yeah. Miles from any kind of decent healthcare. Oh, should yeah. something have gone wrong. Yep. Nobody spoke English other than the three or four other people that were in the car with us. He d- he didn't drive maniacally. 
That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. He might have actually been quite okay. Yep. There wasn't. Was he a local? He was an expat living over there for work. Okay, so he knew he knew the knew the streets. He knew the streets. Yeah. There wasn't another car on the street when we were driving. It was one a.m. Mm-hmm. in wherever the heck we were. Um, yeah, that would be the most dangerous thing I've done. There you go. So don't try this at home. No. What do you find attractive? My wife, very attractive. Um, I might have to leave now. <laughs> I might have to have, have some quiet time. <laughs> Drops mic. Edit point. <laughs> What's the hardest truth you've had to deliver? Wow. I'd have to think. I don't think anything really shocking or... Yeah, nothing nothing worth writing in a, a memoir. Job interviews, I think, being on the, on the employer side of job interviews, mm-hmm. I find really difficult. Um, particularly when you've got people on the other side of the table that you know really need the job or you know, you're really yes. looking forward to getting that start and I think that that's something I find really tough. I don't like that. Um, but apart from that sort of thing, no, I don't think I've ever had to deliver anything shocking. Touch wood. Shocking by what you think others think or just you're very comfortable in that the stuff you've had to do hasn't been that demanding? No, I, I think very comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. nothing out of my comfort zone. I don't think. In in those moments, I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a policeman. I don't <laughs> sure. And I, oh well, in IT, I had to tell a woman once that I'd wiped a computer. <laughs> How did that go? Um, very good, very good about it. Actually, I managed to get a data back, and it wasn't like I sat down and actually wiped a computer. The the place I was working at had everything set up so you could basically just drag and drop to re-image sure. your computers and I just basically got the number wrong on the on the machine name oh. and then the machine kicked into life and wiped it <laughs> and it was only it was probably only a couple of months into the job actually it was a really great job everything was going well I'm like oh god it ends here um, and managed to get a data back and then she's so appreciative I don't think she she maybe really understood what happened, but she ended up buying me like a, a packet of fun-sized Mars bars, which everyone can enjoy. Mm. Uh, and and then I bought her like a pack of cherry ripes to say thank you for the Mars bars. So that was a that worked out great, win for everybody. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm pretty boring. <laughs> that present exchange could have gone on for a long time. It could have, yeah. It could have been the perpetual present exchange. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. That worked out all right. It's very easy for people who don't grow up in the country to look at country people in Australia, particularly, and just go, "They're a different breed." Yeah, I think there's sort of there is the stereotype, mm. um, where in reality there are lots of different people yes. um, in a smaller in, in small in regional areas. Um, I know my friends sort of joke whenever we're going back there, or, or once I brought a mate back. Um, uh, for Christmas to hang out with the family. Yes. From uh, Brisbane because he's at a loose end, and um, everyone at work was, you know, warning him, saying, "Oh no, you won't fit in unless you wear boots." There, you have to wear boots and mm-hmm. listen to Garth Brooks, and and he was shocked to see, you know, everybody's just normal. Um, and walking on their own two. Feet. That's that's it, and speaking English, and not everybody votes for Tony Abbott. <laughs> Nobody gets that opportunity anymore after this week. <laughs> well, only the people of Warringah do, yeah. That's it. Well, that's true. Yes, that's true. 
Um, but no, there, there, there is that diversity. And I think, yeah, people think growing up, you, yeah, you listen to maybe ACDC, you might broaden yourself to Nickelback. But I used to listen to Beastie Boys and everything else. So, yeah. Um, and where, where we grew up in the little town, there's a, there's a hippie commune down mm. the hill. So if you're looking for diversity, it, it came up the hill to visit every now and then. <laughs> When you were growing up, yeah. was the internet a thing? Like, how did you discover things like the Beastie Boys? Yeah, well, you didn't actually. I think you probably Triple J um, mm-hmm. at that age was was a big part of discovering music. There wasn't. I can remember a time in early high school when there wasn't a local FM station. Yes, um, and I think even Triple J coming to the area was a big deal. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's so bizarre going into. You know, having to go into a, a record store and ex- explain to people what an artist was. I think even years later, um, because I, I, yeah, I did live back in my hometown for about um, about eighteen months. Yes, I had a job there, and um, yeah, even like you know, after after the days of the internet, we, we you know you're still on dial up there, so you'd have to go in and order a CD. I think I ordered like you know the Beastie Boys singles to check it out or check to check 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 to check it out or however nice. they spelled it. And as soon as it arrived in, like the lady at the counter, you know, got it out of the box and put it on. And apparently, one of my mates worked in the store. And parents, apparently, she's going like, "Just look at the shit some people <laughs> listen to. What is this? <laughs> Ch, check it out." <laughs> so yeah, it's interesting, interesting place. But yeah, beautiful place to grow up. Would you? relocate your family to back there to give your kids the same experience um i think i think there's probably more opportunity well there's definitely more opportunity mm. in a cap, in a capital city um i think i'd prefer it if they wanted to get into like a, a rural line of work if they wanted to work you know yes. at a station or some sort of agribusiness or something like that then mm. i'd encourage them to go you know go to the bush probably as a grown-up yep um, but we definitely, yeah, you know, we go back there and stay with grandparents and yeah. and um, visit cousins um, you know, at least twice a year. And we go camping with friends from there. So yeah. they're well exposed to yeah. what animals look like. Yeah. You know. Where milk comes <laughs> yeah, that's from. It. That's it. So, you know, I guess you, you miss out on miss out on maybe a little bit of freedom growing up in the city. Yes. But then I guess I think kids nowadays anyway, you're never going to be free to leave the house at eight o'clock on a Saturday morning and then turn up at dark. I don't think Mm. anywhere, unfortunately, any kids are going to have that sort of freedom now. Would, would you send your kids off to boarding school for their senior years? No, no, definitely not. Um, I I definitely wouldn't send them to, um, a, um, I'd send them to a co-ed school definitely Mm. if if I was going for a private school. Um, but I, I don't, yeah, I really just don't see the need for it. Um, I, I think if you if you grow up, say, in a really remote area, like an outback area yes. where you're doing school of the air, then boarding school makes sense. Or in a lot of places, if you're lucky enough to have a school nearby your farm, you might have eight kids going there and you really don't get exposed to the outside world. Yes. Um, so I think in those circumstances, it does make sense to go to the big place and have your horizons broadened but otherwise I think if you can it's, it's great to have your kids at home as much as possible absolutely so. it depend on the kid I guess if if, yeah. if, <laughs> if, if my son really said I'd, yeah, I want to go yeah I can't imagine it. unless it was Hogwarts or something 
What one thing would you change about your life today? Wow. Um, probably in 1999, I would have bought Apple shares. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would have, like, yeah, if you could travel back in time, your 1999 self would be like, what? I've only got like 2% of market share. <laughs> <laughs> no, just trust me, there's this thing, it's like a Walkman that's going to be really popular. Um, Wouldn't that then affect the share price though if you bought in and bought a whole bunch of shares back in 1999? Yeah, I guess so, yep. I wouldn't have had that much cash when I was 19. <laughs> so it's probably probably pointless. Um, it's your very own Back to the Future episode. Yeah. Just, uh, no, I, I probably wouldn't change a thing. Mm-hmm. Probably wouldn't change a thing. Um, you can't mess with the past anyway. Otherwise you end up, yeah, like Back to the Future. You, you start fading away and then your kids start fading away in the photos. Or you end up with an alternate, business. alternate Biff Tannen. Yeah. I actually, no, I'd go to the future and get a sports almanac and then go back to the past. <laughs> Just make sure it doesn't fall into Biff's hands. So you'd reverse it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have a really successful ending. What do you put your contentedness, your peace down to? I don't know. I just think, um, yeah, I'm a pretty boring guy, actually. I'm not <laughs> what? I'm not really sure why I'm a This guess. entire conversation disagrees with that. Um, yeah, well, I, I, I think... Particularly at work, and that's the thing. I'm, I'm probably, I'm captain dependable. I work mm. in operations, so I'm the guy that rolls things out and then rolls onto the next thing. Yep. And I don't think I'm ever going to be. I'm never going to invent Google or invent the iPod. Yes. Um, but I'm, I'm just sort of happy being. I feel very blessed with my wife and kids, and you know the wonderful friends we have, and that's probably what life's all about, I guess. I love a bit more free time, and yes. I guess that'll come. <laughs> what are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? Hmm. Biggest priority, I think, is I would like to take my wife out on more dates. Yep. Having, you know, going through that phase where we've got you know, young kids yeah, under yeah. six, um, and we've had... Our, our, our eldest, our son, was a great sleeper as a baby. Mm. Our second, our girl was, um, you know, a terrible sleeper <laughs> as a baby. And everyone's like, oh, it'll get better. You know, you just go through teething and it'll get better. And we basically had three years of interrupted sleep. And yep. now we're just getting to um, find out what it's like to function as normal humans again. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we're getting to the point where, say, on the way home from work before we'll go to daycare and do the pickup and the madness starts, well, you know, sometimes we have to stop into Woolies to grab things and we'll find ourselves holding hands in Woolies and going, oh, this, is, this is like a date for us nowadays. <laughs> it's just pathetic. People will see us making out and, uh, yeah, yeah, we better we better go on proper dates. Soon. Otherwise, we'll be making out in the freezer aisle. And <laughs> Clean up in all six. That's, well, hopefully not. <laughs> um, so that'll be priority and, and probably spending more time with the kids one-on-one, mm. I think. You know, when, uh, and you've probably found that the same, yours are a bit older, but yes. growing up, you've got kids close in age, they're always competing for resources, and yes. they're always competing for your time. So just to have, give them that space to do whatever they want to do, whether yep. it's painting or Minecraft or, you know, catching a ferry somewhere and getting an ice cream, stuff like that, just yeah. basic stuff. So more time to do that. Well, Michael, thank you so much for your time today. I, I really appreciate your 
um, your candor and your thoughts. Please know that you're highly valued and the stuff that you've shared today is very special. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. This is my first interview. It's very exciting. Interview. <laughs> Gosh, you're overstating all of this, are you? Very clearly, you're on Twitter. What other social accounts do you want to admit to? Um, on Twitter, I have... I don't know if you follow this phenomenon, but there's... Um, the Little Dum Dum Club is a Melbourne comedy podcast, yes. and there are some um, Dum Dum parody uh, accounts that oh, yes. popped up. So it started... I think somebody started a Dum Dum 90s one, which just imagined... You know, silly things that happen in the podcast and imagine what they'd be like with guests from that era. So yes. I have one of those accounts. It's not a very good one. Um, and I'll let you guess as to what it is. It's probably fairly You've obvious. You've added yourself. Excellent work. There you go. I've half outed myself. I, I just wish I could think of better jokes. There's only me. 15 of those parody accounts, so we'll nail it down eventually. There you go. <laughs> um, and that's about it. I'm on Facebook as well. Facebook's mainly just... You know, family and friends and seeing people sharing their, their baby photos. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of Facebook seems to be people sort of venting and mm-hmm. unfortunately you see people going through, you know, relationship breakups and you tend to see the, yeah. the ugly side of both of them. Um, so Twitter's my refuge to get away from that. <laughs> Twitter, I basically just follow celebrities and people that create content that I, that I really enjoy and... Mm. and I don't tweet a lot of original tweets myself. I just tend to you know, give them a shout out and say, you know, thanks, I really enjoyed this yep. episode of, I don't know, Sammy J and Randy or, or, or whatever and just let them know there's, there's somebody out there that, that that's digging it, I guess. Um, and I tend to follow nowadays a lot of podcasts. It's, I'm you know, really getting into the Kelsey yes. comedy podcasting scene, which is just fantastic at work when you're doing yeah. something that's fairly mundane. It's just great to listen to and just blurt out laughing and laughing it's fantastic <laughs> this has been humans of twitter and i can confirm that at miximus is indeed human